Hello everyone and welcome to the Sanctuary of Quest Church. We are so glad that you're watching right now. And I need you to real quick go ahead and share this uh, on your Facebook page. Tag friends. And by the way, uh, Giovanna and I last night were talking and this morning we got to talk about give, this big giveaway that we're doing tomorrow. We've been 21 days together in the book called The Blessing. And I have thoroughly enjoyed myself spending time with you every morning with a good cup of coffee and a five-minute devotional and then going into just some commentary. And the Lord has blessed us indeed during this season. And we thought it would be a good idea to see how many people we could get involved this morning. We had over 300 names that we put into the drawing. There was over 1,000 comments. There was like 800 people tagged in the comments. So let's try to match that tonight, wow. shall we? Go ahead and start tagging your friends right now. And uh, it works. Now, there's not going to be any giveaway <laughs> if you tag a bunch of people tonight. But go ahead and do it anyone, anyway because someone is going to be blessed by this tonight. I have some great friends with me that are members right here of Quest Church. And I love these people so much. They're quality, quality people. And, you know, Quest Church is a very integrated church, a very diverse group of people, as you can see from this stage right now. And uh, to my left over here, of course, is Christian that you see all the time. Next to him is Brienne, and then this is Gino, this is Chief, and then there's Michelle, and finally there's Cambry. And all of these people have something in common. They were raised in ministry homes. So I asked them to join me tonight. I'm gonna ask them some questions. It's gonna be a very laid back time, but I know it's gonna be powerful as far as insight and revelation is concerned. Um, God is good and he is good all the Amen. time. Yeah. It was great to be in Fort Worth yesterday with my brother, Bishop Gary Oliver and Pastor Josh. We appreciate you preaching such, I listened to it yeah. at about 5.30 this morning and I thought, now this man is preaching in this building. <laughs> and uh, you know Josh is preaching when he gets the towel and he wipes his head. When he wipes that head, he's preaching right there. And so <laughs> he did that a few times and uh, we appreciate you so much. Pastor Josh. So, guys, let's start, let's start with this question. I'll just throw it out there, and we'll see um, how this goes tonight. It's going to be a great time. Amen. First question is, what is your church background or your denomination? Okay. Let's start with Brienne. Brienne, what is, what is your church background or the denomination you're from? Uh, my dad was ordained in the Assembly of God, so I was raised in the Assembly of God churches my whole Assembly life. Assembly of God church. Yep. Christian? Uh, my dad was a pastor uh, growing up, so uh, he pastored for 20 years, and for the, I believe the last six or seven, he was under the Assemblies of God ministry as well, and so I was raised a pastor's kid. Okay, yeah. Assembly of God, Assembly of God. Gino? Um, Black Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> and at first, I hear at you. first it was more traditional Black Baptist with BTU and Sunday school, and right. trying to transitioned. Yeah. Into a more Pentecostal, Kojic that's black, Baptist. That's Black Baptist. Yeah. Yeah, because I yeah. preached in those churches. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> you did. This is, black, this is Pentecostal right here. <laughs> I know what you mean by that. Okay, um, Cambry? Well, I grew up with um, Bishop Carlton Pearson's ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma, higher dimension. Whoop, so that's whoop. where I was raised. <laughs> that's right. Yes. And that was a what we would call an interdenominational church. And he was very specific about that. Yes. He didn't want to call it a non-denominational right. church because he didn't want 
that church to feel like it was an island to itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he called it, I thought that was very strategic, an interdenominational church because there was people there that were from Catholic church, Baptist church, Mm -hmm. Methodist church. I'm very familiar with that church there, Kim. (laughs) Okay, Michelle? Uh, my parents were both uh, pastors of Assembly of God Church as well, so I, th- I grew up Assembly of God. I didn't know Look that about that. you too. Okay, we got the Assembly of God represented in the Represent. house <laughs> Okay, Chief? Well, when they asked me this question at the MEP stations in the military, I told them I grew up in holiness. That's my denomination was holiness. Oh, yeah. Until I figured out that holiness was more Pentecostal than holiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holiness Church. So, um, Let's, let's go to this right here. As I was putting this together today, I thought, I'm going to ask these people some interesting questions. Um, when I say the house of God, that phrase, the house of God, this Sunday, we're having a house blessing service right here at Quest Church. These are family members. And what's going to happen is we're asking everyone to bring a blessing to the house of God, to bless the house of God. And there, we are going to decree and declare the house blessing over your house. Yeah. What we need you to do is send in photographs like family photos or pictures of your home because at the end we're going to be showing these pictures and we're going to be again just prophesying, decreeing and declaring God's blessing Amen. over your home. So it's going to be a powerful time and it's a good time for you to bring your family and bring your friends. It's a good day for visitors to be in the house of God. So. Michelle, when I say the words, the three words, house of God, what, what is the feeling that comes to you when I say those words? Well, that represents the place that you go, that you call your church, the physical place. The family of the body of Christ goes to the house of God to be together. Right. So when my children come to my house, they're my family, but they come to my house. Mm, and that's so awesome. I'm a part of the body of Christ, but Quest is my house of God. That's where I worship. That's powerful. That's great. You know, when my kids come to my house, I tell them, y'all check, see what needs to be picked up. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it when my children come over and and that's right, it's our house. And we set that atmosphere and and all my family knows my house is an atmosphere of peace, but it's my house. And this is God's house. And you know, Jesus said, my house shall be called. And then he turns around and says, but you have made it. Mm. Wow. Isn't it interesting that we have the power to make it? Mm. He said, you have made it a den of thieves. Mm. He said, but that's, I don't recognize it because my house shall be called a house of prayer. Wow. So when I say the house of God, Gino, what, what do you think? What emotion or expression would you give up behind it? If I, pastor, if I had to give it an emotion for me, it would be, uh, it would be love. Okay. And, and that's because when I feel God and I think about going to his house, which I'm, I'm familiar with, I, I feel comfortable here, it puts me in a place where I can't help but think about how much, you were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, yeah. about how much God wants to be with us and how much he, he longs for us. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think about how much he adores me and I almost feel a relief and a draw that wow. he's yearning for me to come where he is. And he's, yeah. he said, when two or three are gathered, I'll be there in the midst of them. I think he wants and craves to be with us. Mm, and I so I it. almost feel relief for him yeah. that he's getting what he desires and he's getting what he wants. And I just feel like I'm acquiescing. I feel like I'm presenting myself, my family, in this particular place for me. Right. When you're talking, I'm, I'm almost wanting to get in the car and go to church with you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You make it sound so exciting. And could that be, Camry, could that be what David meant when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's almost like a yearning to get there. Or like if you've been away from home for a long time and then you're going back for the holidays. It's like, I can't wait to get there. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see this person to have this experience. So it's like this longing that's embedded in you. Like if you're away too long, it just doesn't feel right. Like, oh, I haven't seen my family in this long. It's the same thing with the house of God. Mm -hmm. It's a part of you. You yearn for it. And it's kind of like it beckons back to you. And Layla makes you just want to be. I mean, if, <laughs> it, you got to love the Lord and you have to love Layla. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like you, you have to come see both of them. And, she, and the same with Cruz. Cruz is the same way. I love the children in our church. Do y'all see the little girl that worships here yes. in the altar? Oh, man. And I love that, that her mom, Alyssa, just lets her come up here and walk around awesome. and worship. But she's starting to get that little craving to get on the platform. Well. <laughs> have you noticed that as well? Yeah. Christian House of God. House of God, you know, so my dad was a pastor uh, growing up, and he, w- he pastored the church uh, right across the street from the high school and middle school I went to. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this question, and if I look back at my preteen, teenage years, even when I was in elementary school, um, I, can't, I have a hard time tying my school life together with my church life growing up. Wow, okay. It's like I lived... And don't take this the wrong way, but it's like I lived two separate lives. Like I had a school life and a church life growing up. So, for instance, when I think about when I was in fifth grade and what was going on in class in fifth grade, um, I can't remember what I was doing in church around that time. Hmm. Now, I can recall the timeline of church, but I have a hard time tying the two timelines together. And so what that means for me is that I had an identity in church. Yeah. And so I had an identity yeah. in the house of God. I also had an identity in school. And sometimes they didn't line up. Yeah. However, simultaneously, I was building an identity in the house of God. Yeah. And later in life, I chose which identity I wanted to lean on, right. which identity I wanted to fall towards. Yeah. And it was the identity I found and established and built in the house of God. Yeah, and isn't it exciting to know that you can build that enthusiasm? Yeah. In your children, you were a child, mm-hmm. about the house of God and forming an identity there. That is a power source for yeah. kids, you know, yeah. and, and you need to look at it like that. I always told my children that, and this is the way I could relate to them, church is the most fun place yeah. you can go yeah. to all right. week. You know, I made them believe that. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you don't suggest that church might be fun today. No, you right. told them. Yeah. You know what? Church is the most, and they believed it. Yeah. And so Dustin, boy, when he was three, four years old, he started putting on, he wanted to wear that suit, right? Well, right. And, uh, and he loved to come to church looking like he was the preacher. Come on. It's kind of right. like, like Samuel. You know, the Bible says when Samuel was a child, he put on an ephod. Mm. But he lived in the house of God. Wow. It was almost like as a child, he was practicing his future. And I think it's really cool when kids in church look at musicians like you, mm-hmm. Gino, or, or the singers, and they, and they just, like that little girl, they just want to be a part of it. Right. And I remember a day in the house of God that musicians and stuff would take a lot of time with kids. Y'all remember that? Yeah. And come on, play the drums. Yes. Carlton used to do that with Dustin. He would just give him the drumsticks after church and let him just play as long as he wanted to. House of God, Chief. Welcoming. 
I would say now, welcome me in love now. Now, if you ask me when I was a teenager, the house of God, yeah. <laughs> we got a different response. Really, what kind of response will we have gotten there now, Chief? <laughs> because we attended church all I knew someone was going to say that. You know, the guy that sleeps on the pew. Have you ever slept on the pew? Yes, all the time. And we had revival, it seemed like, every other month. Yeah. So you was, so the house of God, it meant one thing growing up because I was there all the time. Now, it gave me a reverence and respect for the house of God. Right. But as I got older, I thank God for that foundation. I've got a question for you. And this, and this is going to be, uh, I'm going to say it two ways, all right? Country way and then the proper way. Okay. Have you ever been pinched in church? Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Say pinched. Have you ever been? Has anyone on this stage ever been pinched? Camber, I know you did. When I was way young, yeah. Go ahead, My mama Kim. didn't even have to pinch us. She just give us that look. Yeah. <laughs> give you the crazy eye. Even to this day, she clears her throat from the stage. I'm like, who? Am I? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know, I know right your parents well, and I can see her just looking yeah. at you and you look getting it right. That's good. Now, okay, let's go through this. Christian, your parents were pastors. Yes, sir. And let's just go down the line. Brienne? My dad was a pastor. Well, my parents are pastors for 15 years. Um, and then evangelist for 17 years. Your dad pastored 15 years? 15 years in West Texas. And then um, God called him to evangelist, evangelistic field. And How long did he evangelize? Years. 17 years. What a man of God. And my mom's still going. So. Yeah. yeah. And your mom's still doing it. She's still going. Wow. She's incredible. Gino? Yeah, my father's a pastor and has been my entire natural life. You were born a pastor's child. Just, just Tell us the story you were telling us in the back, what your dad did to you when you were four years old. Yeah, so I, you know, you're not really self-aware when you're four, and so um, I have this memory where I was in this little small church in Snyder, Oklahoma. Y'all know about that, in Snyder, Oklahoma, in Kiowa County, and um, <laughs> yeah. Snyder, and Oklahoma. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. The metropolis itself, and. We were having church and we sang everything a cappella, of course, because we didn't have a band musicians or anything like that. We didn't have a Tony or a Butch right. and, or an Aaron. Don't leave out Aaron. And he just looked at me. I was in the audience and he said, and he kind of did this head thing. He just, you know, just. Oh, wow. And he told me to go over there and play. And I couldn't. I couldn't play. When you were four? When I was four. Your dad told you to go yes. get on the piano. Be, yes, because my, my dad, in a very fatalistic way that he called prophetic, <laughs> he just needed someone to play. He told me wow. to go play. play. And, and you that, did. And I did, because I had to, because, or I would have been pinched. So needless, so needless to say, you've been playing since you were four years obviously old. Obviously, I didn't stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so yeah, since I was four years old. So did you play for your dad back in that day? I did, did with, one, with one finger. Just trying to follow along with the unison. That's so cool, man. That's wow. how it happened. That's so I awesome. never knew anything different. I didn't, know, I didn't even know it was special. I just thought there was somebody ushering over there. There's somebody singing I have an image of you in a church yeah. doing that. And, and I just, I think that's the coolest thing. And I love to see children doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that's just amazing to me. Your dad, pastor? Pastor for 33 years. Still pastor right now. Still pastor. Yeah, he's um, 74 years old. And going strong. I saw yes. a video of him not too yes. long ago singing and everything. Yeah, he was known for being a one-man church. He did his own. <laughs> Come on. So he would preach and run around and say amen? Preach amen and do his own praise and worship. That's wow. awesome, man. Michelle? My parents pastored all of my life. 
So for 30 years. Wow. So, You're in, so you were born in church as well? Born in church. Yep. Played Barbies at the altar and That's what I was slept about to underneath say, yeah. the pews. So you sang in the children's choir, the Did main choir, it. cleaned the, the toilets, team. vacuumed. Yeah. Took children's, up the offering. <laughs> pastors, kids, they do everything, don't they? They do. Yeah, and they don't really have a choice. Well, my mama wouldn't let me be in the children's choir. Well, I know why. Because you stand right here next to me on Sunday. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Pat. Thank you, Bishop. I'm kidding you, he man. He said make a joyful noise. Yeah, you do a good job, too. Cambry, talk to us about your parents. Um, well, my dad, he was over the music ministry at Higher Dimensions in Tulsa. Yep. Um, my parents now pastor in Owasso. The presence in Owasso, they've been pastoring, I want to say, 12 years now. Um, so they're pastors up in Owasso now. Um, but during the time of him being at Higher Dimensions, he would travel and minister um, at churches around, um, around the world, honestly. He was the man, still is the man. Yes. But back in he that is. day, yes. everybody knew Alvin Frugier. Mm. And uh, he led all the Azusa choirs, hundreds of voices. You couldn't wait for Alvin to sing. And your mom as well. This girl comes from a heritage, a legacy left to her that is profound. Of course, I identify because we're from the same roots. You yes. know that. <laughs> and they right. just really instilled worship in me. I think that's the biggest thing I gleaned from my parents is everything you need can be found in the presence of God. And I've, Well, that's true. And I've really just held on to that in my adult years because, you know, life gets real tough and difficult. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I really go back to is everything can be found in the presence of God, stress, worry confused presence of God go worship. what did that make you feel like as a young lady to hear your dad in the next room mm -hmm. playing the keyboard and he and your mom they sang beautiful together what did that feel like to you it I wish I had appreciated it more when I yeah. was younger I mean we we did 6 a.m. prayer like they would wake us up everybody come down 6 a.m. prayer now let me be clear Yes, we would get our pillows and blankets and fall back asleep, but that was just something that we learned, and it, it's just so a part of, I think, who we are, me and my siblings. Um, you know, it says train up a child in the way they should go when he's already won't depart from it, and it's true. I mean, yeah. that's instilled in me, worship, trust God, and it's just a, the fabric of who they are. Yeah, mm -hmm. it really formed you, didn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely. That's strong. So let's take it here, online or in person? These are preacher's kids, y'all. <laughs> Everybody says in person, but it's true. You do not get to enjoy the things that we just discussed. But now we're thankful. We're grateful you're online right now. And especially during the, uh, I don't know if I want to call it the lock-in or the shelter in place. Whatever you want to call it. During that season... Man, this is the only thing we had. Right. And I remember you guys coming up here, Gino, and recording yes. stuff. You know, it'd be, you know, six or seven people, and we had to, man, that was an interesting time. And, you know, church attendance across our nation, you know, most churches, they're only back about 30%. Yeah. And we're grateful here at Quest that we're over 50% yeah. back and awesome. it's growing all the time. We're getting yeah. new families. If you come, you'll see a lot of new people here at Quest Church. So thank God for online, but there's nothing like being right. in the house. Right. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let me ask this a personal question. Did you ever feel anything for your parents when they were going through stuff in ministry? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyone want to go first? Michelle said all of it. Go well, ahead. I think I think when you grow up as a PK, um, you live in a glass house. Yeah. And so you have everyone watching 
everyone um, is an expert on how you're supposed to live your life and your parents are protective but at the same time they've got a position to fulfill and so it's got to be difficult for them yeah so you live in the glass house there but then you've also got the flip side which is you are also part of the house of god and there's that gravitational pull that's instilled in you from for me from birth right that that is where you belong that's where you feel comfortable it's where you're supposed to be yeah so it's it's like a you can keep going, Michelle, because that, that I can tell you've got something to say about well, that. Well, it, it's a, a coin. Of, it's got two sides. It, and yeah. the one part you hate, but then they, you wouldn't do without the other. Right. Yeah. And so that part of being uh, in a glass house is difficult. And you can never live up to all of the expectations that are out there. Preaching good. You want to please your parents because you know, you're the child. But then you never can please everyone else. And you are human. Yeah. And it's like you were talking about, there's two lives going on there. So it's difficult, but I don't know that I would trade it. Because then living at the church, I mean, we, we always had a house next door to the church, the parsonage. That's the old-fashioned term. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the hard part of that was that everyone was intrusive. We'd be in yeah. the middle of dinner and five people show up and want to come in and talk. So that's kind of hard, too. But at the same time, I can look back and see the compassion, especially that my mother showed to people that at the time, it kind of made me angry. It's like, this is our time. But I look back and I see she was ministering and giving of herself, and it made a difference in people's lives. Mm. So there's a lot there. Yeah, you're saying a lot, lot and it's all true. And uh, in that way, my heart goes out to children, you know, pastors, kids, because they get to see their parents given to everyone else but themselves. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes, you, we, I regretfully say this, you almost neglect your kids for the sake of trying to make everyone else happy. So when we're talking about this, I bet it's certain emotions probably are coming up in y'all, right? Yeah. Um, Brienne, what would you say? I think with being a PK comes a lot of sacrifice. And yes. so, like she was saying, um, we had to understand that it wasn't just a calling on daddy or mommy. It was a calling also upon us and what we had to endure and go through. And so for that, was my dad was, minister, was a pastor for 15 years in Texas. That's all I knew. I was nine years old, knew nothing more. And God called him to the evangelistic field, and we had to move to Oklahoma. So I'm in third grade. Why do I have to move? Why do I have to leave my friends? Yeah. But it was that sacrifice that we had to make for the calling and the anointing that was on my dad and we understood that as children because it was instilled in us and we understood and we took it and there's a lot of sacrifices that um, come with it behind the scenes I think and we feel for our parents we pray for our parents more than I think anyone actually will ever understand because there's, so there's the other side of it yeah I like the phrase you used it was instilled in us mm-hmm. to live a sacrificial life yeah. you do learn that at a very young age yeah, you, that, you know what we're gonna have to do a little more we're going to be here a little longer. Yeah. It's going to take more from us. Um, Camry, anything on that? Going along with sacrifice, what comes to mind, again, I didn't notice it till later on in my years, is how lonely ministry can be for those, mm. in, like yeah. for the pastors and pastor's mm. wives. You don't really come across um, good friendships all the time. That's you right. know, yeah. a lot of people may want to just glean from them or take and take and take. You don't always have people 
for those in ministry that want to pour into your life or like you talk about a lot, you know, just come sit at the house and make sure you're okay or text you every day, make yeah. sure you're okay. So I think that's one thing that um, pastors and those in ministry sacrifice a lot is good, good friendships and people to pour back into them. And that's difficult because you're giving and you're giving and you're giving. And a lot of times you don't have people wanting to pour back into you. Mm. You have people that just want to take or show up at the house in the middle of dinner. Um, mm. And that's hard to replenish wow. and it's hard to, to trust people that they're going to want to pour into you, not just mm. take all the time. You know, you can feel from each one of these individuals that there is a great, great sense of not just sacrifice, but the commitment, the entire commitment it takes to be in ministry. And sitting there watching your parents like that can it sometimes sometimes be overwhelming. And right. when you're raised in it like you guys were, you saw them taken advantage of, yeah. people consuming all of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, Chief, any input? Initially, I wanted no part of ministry because of that. Mm-hmm. Because of that, yeah. I'm just being honest with you. Right, that's, that's what we want. Being honest with you because you, you see, people see the pastor in the pulpit and on Sunday or Wednesday night and they see in the prepared message and everybody tends to love them and appreciate them at that particular time. Mm-hmm. But the sacrifices that they make behind the scenes and the things that they go through and the families that they go through and then the same people that they're making sacrifices and commitment yeah. for are the same people that sometimes tearing them down yeah. or won't help them out or won't be there for them. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see your parents Love them in spite of. Yeah. Treat them with all, and if they're in need, will take from themselves, not, not from the church. Right. Mm-hmm. I see my father plenty of times go into his pocket, his, his funds, and give to somebody in need yeah. to make sure they had. That's one great thing about pastoring a church full of children's pastors, or pa- pastors, uh, raising pastors' homes because they understand. Yes. Yeah. See? And that's why I asked these. And there's a lot of people here at Quest Church that was raised in ministry. Gino, any input on that thought? Uh, sure. Um, how raw can I be? As raw as you would like. Okay. Just no cuss words. Uh, absolutely <laughs> not. And then Christian after <laughs> me. Me? <laughs> me? <laughs> so um, I can say um, uh, it's enough to tear a family apart. Yes, yes it is. Yes. It's, it's enough to completely take it apart. Mm-hmm. So I can I can share um, uh, one personal memory that I have. Um, I was 12 years old, and the church that we were at in time, I'll, I'll go fast. Um, my father was there, a great man, man of integrity, a uh, man who I value and appreciate and esteem. We were there in the capacity that the church didn't have a pastor and was trying to find one, and he mm. was the caretaker of, of that particular house at the time. Yeah. And so the job was up for grabs okay and at one of the um business meetings my mother i knew they went my mother came home she was crying like i've never seen her before she was completely broken and disheveled my god and looked i saw hopelessness in her eyes for the first time she looked crushed wow and at the particular meeting someone had stood up and said something about my father that wasn't true but you know once you say it it's out there. You have to deal with what is said. And so one of the things that confused me, and, and I'm going to be honest, it caused me a lot of hurt and pain, mm-hmm. Bishop, is that if you're hurt there, mm-hmm. where do you go? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Powerful. And then even if there's restoration, which there was, 
Yeah. It still lingers and yeah. it still hovers. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I and, do. And so, and so it got into a situation where gladly God brought us through that. But I, as a child, as a scared child, mm-hmm. looked and said, well, how can we overcome something that we have to nurture? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it created a conflict within me, honestly, that if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for being surrounded by, by great people, having a father who was a pastor and compassionate, could have turned uh, my understanding and relationship with God into a completely different direction somebody could have with one sentence. Thank God it didn't, man. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's very transparent, and I appreciate that honesty because the fact is we've all had to deal with that kind. Of, we've seen that kind of hurt. Um, I know you're probably tagging someone right now that you know that is in ministry and if, or has been in ministry, and if you're not, you need to because this is going to help someone tonight. I promise you, you're hearing from the hearts of people that understand the fabric of the family of God. They understand what it takes to build churches, to maintain churches, to see success in churches, to deal with failures in churches. These people have been there, and they have done that. Let's shift gears, shall we? What is your fondest memory in a revival or a church service? It can be funny. It can be spiritual. Anything like that. Christian, what, give us a fondest ministry. I see you. When you start rubbing your chin there, buddy, you're really thinking. You know, me. you ask that question. There's so many. Man, there's so many. Because um, church can be, uh, at times, if you're in it so often, it can be boring. It can be, it, the funniest <laughs> things can happen yes. in the house of God yeah, that you true. remember forever while the Spirit of God is moving, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you can have some of the most emotional and, and touching moments of, of your life. And I remember, I'll just share the story. I've shared it before, but uh, my, one of my favorite memories growing up in church was um, at a tent revival that my dad and a few of the pastors in the community gathered together and they they held this tent revival and uh that's where i got saved and baptized filled with the holy spirit in the tent revival at a tent revival i was eight years old and it was it was awesome um and i just remember uh being out there i remember seeing all of my family members because like being a pastor's kid i remember being little moments of memories where i was four or five years old maybe six and I'm sitting in the pews at church, and I'm playing with my toys. And all of a sudden, I look up because I hear, like, a different sound, right? Mm. And this was back in, like, a holiness Pentecostal church, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, like, my roots roots, right? right. And, and I remember being a kid, and I'm just playing. And I hear there's a different sound in the building. So I look around, and I just see everybody crying and everybody wailing and, and travailing in the spirit in prayer. And, and I can't pinpoint when it started or why it started, or what's even happening, because I'm six years old. And I remember asking my mom, uh, Mom, what's wrong? What's going on? Yeah. Because everybody was crying. And she said, it's the Holy Spirit, baby. It's the Holy Spirit, baby. Wow. She grabbed me and she brought me close. And I was like, Holy Spirit. I, I think the term she used was Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And yeah. as a six-year-old, like you hear Holy too. Ghost, like you're like, Holy Ghost in the there's a ghost in here? Like, what's going on? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> and so I remember as a kid being immersed in the house of God when the Spirit of God mm-hmm. is moving. And it's like, even if you don't understand it, 
There's something about being a child hearing those sounds come on christian feeling those yes. feelings have you ever seen it break out on children oh man in a service yes you yes know, I, i'm telling you that's why i like to keep our kids in it's church real. as much as possible because yes. you never know when it gets on them kids it gets on one come and then on. it just starts spreading it's right contagious what about you brianne well like christian said there are a lot like i remember the food honestly <laughs> <laughs> always honest. lots of food. Always food there's always food um we ate good but uh <laughs> But one of my most fond memories, I guess, was actually um, Daddy was up to preach. He was an evangelist for many years, so we went to hundreds of churches all over. And um, it was always, you know, could be five people or 5,000 people, and he preached the same way because he had the anointing and that gift. But um, that one particular service, um, we were in the middle of praise and worship, and the Holy Ghost just broke out. And, wow. and we, daddy didn't get to preach and it was just, people were crying and, and th- it was just an outbreak, including us, like as children, we were, I mean, I was young at the time, you know, at that time I was maybe 12 or something. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it was just powerful to see that like that can happen in the midst of, of just worship, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Your dad had a reputation for that though. Your yeah. dad was very <laughs> spontaneous in the spirit. Oh yeah. He, le- there was nothing that would stop him if, if the Holy Ghost was calling. And funny that, because Daddy would never say Holy Spirit. He said Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Every that's time. the only way to say it, Holy Ghost. Uh, and your dad was a profound preacher as well. Yeah. He was an incredible preacher, and he preached with fire. You mm-hmm. never had to wonder if the passion was going to be there. Oh, no, right? it was there. But it was always there, <laughs> and you never had to wonder if he was going to give an altar call. Oh, right? no, there was one. Somebody was going to get saved. Right. Yep. I promise you. Gino? Yeah. Um, I, uh, the most beautiful time that I recall in church, uh, Pastor, was the first time I felt the Holy Ghost while I was playing an instrument. Wow. It, I'll, I will never forget it. it, it and I'm telling you, it was, a, it was, a, it, it was a, an experience that was like totally immerse, immersion. It was, it, was, it, it was whole body. And um, I feel that while you're yeah, talking oh, come about on it. Now. Yeah. it was, it was oh, it, it lit up my life. It changed my life. Yeah. Um, because when you're when you are a PK, yeah, you you learn the the, the rudiments. And yeah, I'd had true. the cracker. I had the you right. know. But when I felt God in a real way for the first time, right, while He was using me for His glory, wow, it, Pastor, it was like every color in the spectrum Man. just started shooting across yeah, yeah. my mind. And it felt, it felt like I wasn't in control of myself anymore. You know what I mean? I but there was that. also a willfulness in it that, right. that, that I wanted to experience it again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The first time I felt the Holy Ghost, he was letting me work for him. Man. Do you understand Man. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, so, and, that, and talk about being planted in something. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know right. what I mean? So I, look, it, it, that, that kind of experience that God let me have, it can almost whitewash anything. Yeah, that's you right. Know, it's you, true. You, you know that's what I true. mean? And that's, uh, that's the scripture. Oh, taste oh, yes. and see and that see. the Lord is good. You know, you, if you want it, you got to taste it. Come on. Right. Come on. And, and I'm telling you, what you got that day was a taste. Yes. And once you get it, uh-huh. you never forget it. Never. Yes. That's powerful, man. What about you, Chief? Fondest memory in church? Well, I told you I came up in Pentecostal holiness. And so... I would always wait and watch the people break out and start shouting in the spirit. <laughs> that one. Did y'all call it bucking? Yeah. And quickening. <laughs> because, see, I would sit and wait 
And I wait because I know what my mom would do. As soon as the spirit hit her, she'd take off and run. Oh, Lord. Yeah, she'd take off and run. And my dad. We got some runners in this church. And my dad would start shouting. And so I think that right there is seeing a man. Yeah. Okay. Just let loose on, and praise God. Come on, man. Open up his mouth and begin to praise oh, God and yes. not hold back. And I'm talking about a man's man. And you yeah. see him yeah, tears bro. in his yeah. eyes Come and crying on. out to Come God on. and wanting God. Yeah. All of God. That right there, it used to, it, that was my fondest memory. Mm-hmm. But it also, too, let me know that men do praise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's strong. It set an example that men praise, yeah. men cry out. Because I can, I can think that. That dude right there, my dad, yeah. man, he would go into prayer service by himself yeah. and set the atmosphere yeah. before. And, and you just see the, that, those were my fondest minutes. And I so probably, you were used to seeing him set the tone in services, right? And so that became an expectation okay. everywhere that I went. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you growing up in that, you can know what is authentic and what's counterfeit real quick. Yeah, that's true. Very true. But those, that, those Powerful. are those fondest memories. Michelle? I think my earliest and fondest memory of church was we had an outdoor tent revival, and I must have been seven or eight, and we had a, two different couples that came into the revival. One, their last name was White. The second one, their last name was Light, and so they called it White Lightning. <laughs> and so, and I mean, we would have bust out services. And I remember sitting there, and I'm, people started shouting. That's what we called it, too. And I remember looking up, and my grandmother didn't live close to us, but she was there. And I looked up, and I saw her on that side of, we were outside that side of the area. And she was shouting, but it looked like, the only way I can describe it is that she looked like she was climbing a ladder standing up. <laughs> it, had, it had this rhythm to it, and oh, I was man. just like, and what was amazing is that yeah. I looked across on the other side, and my mother was doing the exact same thing, and they had their backs to each other. They did not see each other. Wow. And I, to me, that was like, this is God, yeah. because how else does that happen? Right. So that was like That's my incredible. first experience that I recall thinking, wow, what an awesome thing to happen that you knew only God could do that. Yeah. And then my funniest memory is when we, when we traveled and a guy got healed in service. I mean, you just knew it was, it was real. And so Pat said, what's something that you've never done that since you've been sick? And he said, run. And so Pat said, run, man, run. <laughs> he took off running and he didn't have a belt. <laughs> oh, uh-uh. His bridges come down. And his pants fell down as he was running. And so that was. That's a funny moment right there. The spirit of laughter broke out. In yeah. So just to let you guys know, I, I even saw someone in here, in here today or on here watching tonight. I'll get here in a minute. I'm a little bit tired. From New Zealand. Wow. Come on. Can you imagine that? So welcome. Yeah. And just become a part of Quest Nation. It's a good thing. That's awesome. Camry. So cool. Fondest memory. Azusa. Azusa, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Long nights, but <laughs> Azusa just... I was, I was going to ask you, during Azusa, did you ever see your parents? You know, on the stage, you know, while my mom is leading the choir, my dad is singing. Yeah, it was, there were long weeks and they were tiring, but even at a young age, it's 
amazing what you can feel and remember yeah. at a young age. Because Azusa was a week long, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Seven days. It was a week long. Mm-hmm. Lots wow. Of preachers so who was your speak. favorite preacher at Azusa? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? My favorite preacher, I, I'm going to be honest, because I was young, I probably fell asleep during the messages. <laughs> because they were about an hour and a half long, Azusa. They were, yeah. I mean, I'm preach long. But, but that's your that's your that impacted you as a child. Yes, I think what what I remember most growing up from Azusa, honestly, is the worship. And I think because I was raised in that and I grew up around it, I I think I recognize that more and yeah. I tap into it a lot more. There's nothing like my favorite. You would ask it, you asked it on Facebook. Your favorite church service is honestly worship, where you go into worship and then you can't get to the message because the spirit of God moves so much. I think that's what I remember most. From Azusa, you know, the Maybe Center is huge. And so yeah. to have thousands upon thousands of people, you know, just worshiping God and the spirit break out and to remember that at a young age, that's really what, you know, what I remember the most. I remember those mm-hmm. nights as well. And sometimes it'd be very difficult for Bishop Pearson to get those services mm-hmm. back right, yeah. because it's literally what we call a takeover. Mm-hmm. When the people take over and worship and then the spirit of God invades a place and as the leader of that service, you want to be very tedious and very careful that you're not interrupting what the Holy Spirit is doing. I've seen some things, too. We had, we had a girl on our praise team one time that caught the Holy Ghost. And she was over here. And our stage was a lot taller than this. But she didn't get the real running spirit. She kind of got the hop sideways spirit. <laughs> and she hopped, hopped, hopped until she got about halfway. And then she got the running yeah. And when she did, she took off running with her eyes closed. And I think she thought she was still on the stage, but she ran off the stage. But watch now, when she hit the floor, she never stopped running. And she wiped out half the front row. Am I right, Josh? It was the most amazing thing. It was incredible that she was able to stay on her feet and accomplish all the things that she did. Pretty amazing. So what is your favorite? You mentioned it, Camry. What is your favorite? You said worship when the worship takes over. That's your favorite style of worship service. Uninhibited, the Holy Ghost takes over, not worried about a message, not worried about anything else, just letting God do what God wants to do, just soaking in his presence. I, I honestly get teary-eyed thinking about it because mm. there's just so much in those moments. And Be careful, you will take me there with you. <laughs> I see it on you right it, now. It, there's just so much in those moments, and you can get so much more sometimes out of worship than you can in the message. Sometimes, True. if we're not careful, we're waiting on the pastor to touch us. Oh, I can only get what I need if the pastor touches me and it has to be him. It can't be anybody else. And that's just wrong thinking. But if you come and you focus on God and his Holy Spirit and just really open up your heart for that, it's just beautiful. I can, I can worship all day long, just worship services. I'm there. Well, Azusa, I mean, that was the standard and I can understand why. And your mom and dad, that left an eternal impression on you. Michelle, favorite Favorite style of service? Um, I'm, I'm all about the worship as well. And yeah. I think that the earliest experience that I remember on that is being in a worship service. And we always, you know, you go through the motions. You learn as, you know, from the time you're little, the things you do during worship service. And I remember we would do that. And the first time I ever had the experience of really sensing God's presence, I was going through the motions. And I meant them. I was sincere. And I said, Lord, I, I love you. And I, it was like an audible voice. He said, I love you too, Michelle. Mm. And it was my name. And it was like, <gasps> wow. and it, there was just a, a, such a holy reverence of, he knows my name. Yeah. Wow. And it was awesome. And that, 
many times since then, when you get into that presence where you know God is tangible right yeah, there, right. and it's happened many times here, many times, yes. and it's just like this sense that he's here. He's here yeah. right now. And I've even looked at Pat many times and was like, he's here. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. my favorite. That's a, I can identify with that. I love that. Yeah. Chief? Well, my favorite style of service, my favorite style of service is, um, they call it old-fashioned now. Yeah. Mm. Where you go back in the day, and they'll say they wasn't saying anything, but it's a lot of hooping. <laughs> it was a rhythmic speech to the preacher. Come on. And, um, and I would like it because the way my dad would preach, he can sing and preach and hoop. Yeah, yeah. All, all at the same time. All throughout the sermon. Yeah. yeah. And so you hear that, and, and it calls participation yeah. from the audience. Call and response. Call and response. And so when I see Bishop. You can see it in him. Yeah. Sometimes here he get that, that, <laughs> well, that, that, that flashback. Uh, so I'm like, come yeah. on, come on, yeah, come go on, back there, come go on, back there. come on. Come on now. <laughs> That's I just, too good, I man. Just, because it would, the way the crowd would participate, mm -hmm. yeah. it would make it interesting and engaging. Yeah. Right. It involves you because now, you, like you said, talk back to me. Right. And you, Talk back. <laughs> okay. All right, Chief. Now, let's go there for a moment because I could, you know, and you, this is powerful stuff, but we know what kind of service we like, right? Mm -hmm. But then what is it about the responsibility of the congregation? Because I think what we saw was this dynamic of having these powerful personalities in pulpits, yes, and suddenly the whole um, expectation mm -hmm. was on that guy. Yeah, yeah. Instead mm -hmm. of on us mm -hmm. as the people, right, Cambry? Instead of it's a concert and they're an entertainer, or yeah, yeah. right, like it, it's, it's a performance, not, right? Yeah, and and, mm -hmm. and I think what it did was take some of the impetus off of the people. So, mm -hmm. Christian, talk mm -hmm. to us about that. What what can people do mm -hmm. to make those services the services we enjoy? You know, I uh, I just think there's nothing better than when you look down the aisle at your friend. At your buddy. For me, if I look down the aisle and look at my friend and we make eye contact and we know, all right, God's in this place and God's moving, there's that synergy between us at that moment that's like, okay, we're cool and we, we have a goofy, funny relationship. That's great. But right now in this moment, we're acknowledging and recognizing something's happening. Yeah. And, and then when you, when you lean into that synergy with the rest of the crowd. Yeah. There's this, the spirit obviously takes over, and, and come on, it's easier to preach when yeah. the crowd is talking back to you. I'm when sorry, you can but ride, that is the truth. When you can ride on the noise of the crowd, when they're yes, saying sir. amen. Because, amen. Man, right? Come, come on, on. Don't make me it. preach, Bishop. Come on. Tell us about it, Christian. <laughs> it is. When, you, when you're preaching and the crowd is talking back to you, it, it, there's this, I think you said it like this one time, there's this sloshing back and forth like waves of yeah. faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you're putting faith into the atmosphere in that microphone, right. and then they're sloshing faith back at you. There's this synergy. There's this motion. There's this energy in the room, and, and it's not a concert. It can't be a concert. That's right. Because it can't then be a it, performance. Yeah, because there's too much pressure on one man. That's right. And, and we're, what are we here for? Yeah. yeah. We are here to worship God. Yes, we're Brienne, here what, to what, is, what about you, Brienne? What's your favorite style of worship, or 
How do people get more engaged? So our pastor says involvement equals stickability, right? Yeah. So if we're involved and we're here present, we're going to receive. Wow. And I think also um, talking about like favorite style of worship, like anybody can get a crowd, right? Oh, Just right. have yeah. pizza here and you'll get people. But it's not about that, right? And so my Come favorite on. style is traditional and contemporary. I think you have to have the roots. You have to have the mm-hmm. foundation because without that, you do just have a show. You have lights and you have, you know, the cameras and the fun. But right. where's the presence? Um, and I think being a part of that presence and experiencing that is being here, literally present, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, and sharing that moment with people yeah. um, and, like, allowing yourself to be vulnerable mm. um, and to be share your Love gifts with it. the house. Because if, you're, if you just stand there and you're not involved... You're not sharing what God has given you. And when you do start to share it, you want to stay in the house because you want to share that blessing. Incredible. We're in our first five-minute overtime period. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to take five minutes more and just talk about this because you, I could talk to you guys all night because we speak the same language. This, yeah. is, this is easy dialogue right. for us. Um, I want, I want two, two more things here. All of you keep referring to moves of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. You did. It changed your life. All of us go there. Mm -hmm. And it's our roots, right? Okay, now I want you to try to fit that into the contemporary stage of a church in the now. You know, what does that look like and feel like? Mm -hmm. I've got my own opinion, but I don't want to give. I want to hear you guys. You know, I mean, do we look? I think all of us would fall out. Speaking in tongues and mm-hmm. having a Holy Ghost move with a B3 and call and response <laughs> and running around the building. And we're all good with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what does that look like on a Sunday morning in this generation? Anyone want to take a stab at it? Should we care? Yes. Absolutely. We should yes. care? Yeah. Okay. Any more? Yeah, I mean, I'll. Yeah, go ahead. To it. Um, I, you know, I, if I were to connect it to when you asked what my favorite style of of worship is man it's um it's like it is here i think i think i think bishop and i this is going to sound like it has some homerism attached to it Mm -hmm. but i think that looks like quest Mm -hmm. i think that looks open i think there's nothing new under the sun i think that anything we do enough is going to have the propensity to turn vain and Mm -hmm. lose its effectiveness so i think i think the b3 and everything like that when we do it it's not vain. Right. Yeah. When you preach in whatever style you preach in on a given Sunday, because yeah. you're a chameleon, you move. Mm-hmm. It's fresh and it's yeah. genuine and yeah. it's honest. You, you understand what I'm yeah. saying? And honestly, yeah. that is a challenge to me because it's easy for me, Cambry, to fall back to Azusa and go, yeah. I know how to do that. But I want to be relevant at the same time. Does that make sense to you? You are. Um, I hope so, because I, I tell my guys all the time, when I'm not relevant, relevant anymore, tell me, because I'm, I'm fine to retire. <laughs> but I, well, the last thing I want to do is be acting right. like I'm relevant, mm-hmm. and I'm not relevant. And that genuinely concerns me, mm-hmm. because I know guys that are still going in ways they were doing 20 years ago, and they're not relevant. Yeah. And that's a scary thought to me. Mm-hmm. Any more input? on what we're talking about here? I, I think you have, like you, we know, we have, a, we have as PKs growing up in church, that strong foundation of both. 
Yeah. You learn how to um, move transition. Yeah. But you also understand like um, where you came from. Right. And not to not to go too far from that. I think sometimes is that we we throw out the baby with the bathwater sometimes with right. some of the things. We're talking, well, that's tradition. You don't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. But I see that you do a very great job as holding us to some of the things of the past, mm -hmm. yeah. as well as being relevant. Right. And being able to talk to a multicultural, multigenerational yeah. body of people. Kimberly, what, what is your feeling on that? How do you do what we do and keep it relevant? I think you have to have a good foundation, first of all. Like, we have to have something to go back to. You yeah. know, there's nothing like the old hymnals. I think, Christian, you had said something about that on Facebook a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Saying, yeah, like the old hymnals. And I think it's important to have that. I think, yes, to stay relevant. I, my heart goes out to you that you have that struggle of wanting to, you know, veer towards the Azusa days and staying relevant. I think that's mm -hmm. a hard battle that, honestly, I didn't ever think about. Mm -hmm. um, but I think sometimes you have to you have to go there. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to take it back, and it is easy to get caught up in the cameras and the lights and this, that, and the other, but if yeah. you strip it all away, what do you have? And you have to make sure that we have something once everything else is, is stripped away. I like that. Mm -hmm. Michelle? I think probably what people are looking for most in this day and time is some, something that's genuine. And I think the only... I like that person that can actually know all of that is the Holy Spirit. Mm. He's the only one that knows how to reach people and reach them in a place that only he can. And I feel like personally, you follow the Holy Spirit yeah. in the way you Amen. minister. And I think because of that, it is relevant. Yeah. Amen. Okay. And when people come in, only the Holy Spirit knows what they're coming in with. The, the man that was here a couple of weeks ago, the vet, yeah. you didn't know that. Right, that's true. But God used you because you followed the Holy Spirit, and it touched his life. Mm, that's awesome. And I, I feel like we have that here. Yeah. That's, I we like do. that. Someone asked, what is a B3? It's a vitamin you take on Sunday morning before you preach. No, it's, it's, it's actually the organ that Gino gets on at the end of the service when we're really going in mm -hmm. and really pushing. And some people think, well, why is that? You know, it seems like emotionalism. Well, let me take you to Scripture. Let me show you the power of having music behind a prophetic word. Elisha is in a situation where he's, he has to prophesy because the Lord put it on him. And then the king is asking him to prophesy. And he, he responds to the king like this. He said, I cannot bring the word of the Lord until you bring me a minstrel. And the yeah. minstrel means musician. Yeah. In other words, I can't operate in the ministry God has given me to walk in without music wow. behind me. And there's something that is a heavenly twin between music and ministry. Yes. And in my opinion, it is inseparable. And yes. so that's why when you hear those chord progressions and those things going on, I can ride those waves yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in silence, that's very difficult to do. Last question. And we're in our second five-minute overtime. <laughs> Don't worry about it because Oklahoma went four, Come on, four overtimes Come on. on Saturday. Okay, so tag your friend, comment, hit your hearts and thumbs. One more question for you guys. And I want you all to respond to this. Okay. We're, we've been teaching on the blessing, right? And Sunday is the house blessing. It's yes, going to be strong. November the 4th, by the way, is revival service. Come on. First Wednesday, revival service. Now, we're going all out on that night. 
So bring the sick, the backslid, whoever. We're going to have a move of God November the 4th. October the 18th, this Sunday, the house blessing. How can you be a blessing to the house as a member of a church? How can you be a blessing? Whoever wants to go first. Michelle? I, I would say it comes down to one word. Okay. Giver. Wow. Now, that encompasses a lot a of lot. things. Yeah. You can be a giver by being a greeter. You can be a giver by watching the babies in the nursery. Come on, You can Michelle. be a giver by welcoming people and letting them know you're welcome yeah. here. You can be a giver by putting money in the offering. Sowing. Wow. You're not giving. You're sowing. Yeah. Right, right. So. Be a giver and sow. Yes. I love it, Michelle. Incredible. Anyone else? I would say you defend it. I mean, if somebody came into your natural home and started talking mess or wanted to steal stuff or talk about the you head better of the go house, ahead, Cameron. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's simple. Like you have to defend it. I think a lot of times, yeah, protect it. It's so easy to just be fickle. And sometimes you're for the house. Sometimes you're not. Right. That's what right. Jesus was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Um, so you just have to defend it. And if this is your house and you say wherever your house may be, you defend it. Yeah. So if people are talking about the ministry of the house. Are you standing by and allowing them to do that? Or are you putting it into it? You have to stand up for your house and the people in your house and the people that lead your home. Give them a smack down in love. I mean, there you go. (laughs) And you know what? You would be amazed, especially through the Old Testament, even the New Testament, though Jesus was very adamant about that. But, But through the Old Testament, how many people literally would get like, you're not going to mess with what were the temple or building the wall? You know, you got a sword in one hand and a tool in the other hand. Chief, how can you be a blessing to the house of God? Got to be in um, pretty much what what they've been saying, but be invested. You you got to be invested in the house of God. You're not here, like you said, you're not here to just show up. You got to be participating. You got to be active. You got to be involved. You got to be engaged. You got to, and then too, you got to be willing to give your best. Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. we just show up. Come on now. Yes. Come God on, looking man. for your best. Come and on. I think we just, we take this for granted. Yeah, yeah. Too often we take the house of God for granted mm-hmm. and we take the man of God yeah. for mm-hmm. granted. Come on. That's strong. And you got to start giving. Give your best. You got to give your best. Incredible. Gino? Yeah, um, I would say just people knowing their value yes. to the house of God. Because I think that when you do, um, it, it causes you to relate to your congregants differently. Yeah. I think I think that I think that Jesus said more, and He showed us more than the red letters do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, there are people in this audience every Sunday morning, Pastor, that they have things within them right. that can change a life in this that's building. True. And so, how do you get that out? Yeah. And I think that's just being open, being available, being loyal, being, defending the house, being mm-hmm. respectful. And, and honoring everything that you can. So to sum it up, I think that there are things that people can't hear, mm-hmm. and so, except for if, they, if it comes from one person. Yeah. And um, I think they need to be open and ready to give it. Love it. Yeah. How can you be a blessing to the house of God? Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Two more people. Brianne? Um, I touched on it, just understanding, and as he just said, that you're a blessing, that you have something to offer, and God has given you a gift and something that... Um, there's something that you've experienced yeah. that no one else has, and somebody's going to need your experience. Mm. And so to be present, like I said, and just involved, and to understand that you can and should share mm-hmm. with people around you. Man, that's good. Christian? 
Yes, sir. I would just say, um, don't take it for granted. You know, like what you said, we are so blessed to have the opportunity to come to this house, to hear a word from the Lord, and to worship freely. We shouldn't take it for granted. And I would just say, like, make up your mind. Occupy this place, you know? Come on, man. Come on in the building. Yeah. Occupy this place. Yes. And be a gift. You, you've said it best. There's two kinds of people. There's givers and there's takers. And, and you can't just cherry pick which, what kind of way you want to give. Just be a giver. Give your time, give your service, give your skill, give your gifts, give your finances. So into this house and occupy it. That's what I would say. I would hire all of you on my staff. <laughs> You're all absolutely incredible. Everything you said tonight was so very valuable. Every word you spoke carried content and it carried weight. And the reason it does is because it comes from experience. It's your life. You can yes. feel it when you guys talk. This isn't something I do on the side. This is literally who I am. And I hope you gathered that tonight. And tonight, you can be literally a blessing to the house. It's time for us to give tonight. And I encourage you to give. You can text Quest Church to 77977. Or is it Quest Norman? Quest Norman. Quest Norman. I get it wrong every time. Quest Norman. To 77977. There it is on your screen. Be a blessing tonight. And on Sunday, come prepared. Right, guys? Let me ask right. you all this. Have you ever been in a service where generosity broke out? Yes. 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 Is that the wildest yes. thing you've yes. ever seen? I've had that happen several times in our ministry. Wow. And it's like cars are given away. And, and you wow. see people taking bracelets off. And it's just an amazing thing to see that exchange among God's people. And... Um, I promise you, we don't fabricate things here at Quest Church, Amen. as Michelle said. We do our best to follow the Holy Spirit. We don't know what's going to happen Sunday, but we know it's going to be God. Yes. And we know it's going to be good. Everybody hold your book up one time. There's the blessing book. Go to rickhawkins.org. Pick it up, chapter 19. It's called The House Blessing. You can read it tonight. Be here Sunday. Don't miss it. Don't miss Wednesday night. Tomorrow morning at 845, be prepared. Somebody's going to receive a gift of $100 or someone's going to receive five books that I've written. Number right. one is The Benjamin Blessing, The Inner Circle, The Wall, Training Your Thinking, and The Blessing, yeah. and The Power of Agreement. No, we're not giving that one away. <laughs> Josh trying to throw in another book. Five books. No, we'll throw that one in too, Josh. That's fine with me. Guys, we love you so much. And we, don't we, guys? Don't we love them? Yeah, we love you. Would you all mind stretching your hand just toward the camera, Father? We bless our people. We bless yes, Quest Church and Quest Nation, yes, our online church. Yes, we speak what this book declares. Mm -hmm. We speak your blessing over thank them you, and their families. Yes, and we thank you for this great night. People that have been hurt in ministry, yes, Lord, help them get through it. Amen. Even preachers' kids that have grown up in preachers' homes, help them get over it and yes, get through it and survive and thrive yes, in Jesus' name. Jesus. And everyone said amen.